Welcome to the Inside Outlands podcast. I'm your host, Mind Trip, and as always, your co-host, Net Ryle. Hey, what's going on? And today we have joining us, um, Jaden. How's it going, Jaden? Hey, good. I'm happy to be here. Cool, man. Um, glad to have you on. Um, you're kind of the man behind the scenes that doesn't really get to talk a lot about what he's doing so it's pretty cool to have you have you on here and with your knowledge of mechanics and the programming you've done uh it's uh it should be an interesting show yeah i'm excited to uh to talk it over and and uh hype outlines a little bit yeah Uh, why don't we uh let me say what what your role is with uh the outland shard right now yeah so um i'm was primarily just a beta tester uh for all of beta i started helping out in the beta in august of 2017 um i can't believe it's been that long but um i was uh testing majory and uh some of the combat mechanics and working on weapon damage formulas and and things like that uh doing a lot of math that's what i became known for throughout the course of the beta (laughs) That's where um, that joke came from. Okay. Yeah. Everybody, um, anytime there's like a formula somebody wants to work out or something that, um, you know, somebody wants to check the chance of something if they change the formula to another one, uh, they just ping me in Discord and says, Jaden, do the math. Um, <laughs> so I've been doing that for a long time. Uh, I was trying to play some on the actual beta and uh, just getting real bad headaches from the, the 12 and a half FPS and decided to do something about it. So I went out searching for uh, some other alternative clients and came across the Orion client, which I had not seen before. Last time I had looked probably two or three years ago, the there were other clients, but they weren't anywhere near playable. Uh, there was UO, UOXNA, Salos, but there's no source for that. Uh, UO Fluorescence is another one that has some code in it that's kind of cool, but never made it that far along. Uh, But when I found Orion, it was semi-close. And and the the guy who wrote Orion originally, Hot Ride, had been working on it for years. Uh, And so I basically said, okay, what do I need to do to adapt this to work on Outlands? And the first thing I identified was, uh, after discussing with Owen and Luthius, was that the assistant was just not going to work here. It, it was a full scripting language. You could do whatever you wanted from the assistant as fast as you wanted to do it. So I dumped that, I, I took it out and um, replaced it with Razor, which took some time and is still uh, has some challenges uh, that I'd like to work through. And then there's some other custom stuff about Outlands that I started patching in the custom status bar you know, the, the health and status screen and the, yeah, some is, of the text was, that, was changed. Was that Luthius originally, or was that your, the, cause the status bar we have now has the bandage timer. Yeah. That- so there's some history there uh, that was originally patched into the client. You know, they changed the, the layouts of where it puts the, you know, the stats that the client displays in memory by like actually directly editing the, UO client executable. And it was a guy, his Discord handle was Beagle. And I don't know where he went. I believe he moved uh, uh, to Australia or something and then uh, disappeared. Um, maybe he's back. <laughs> I, I don't know. But he did that and it was great. Luthius did the server side part because it has to, we changed the um, resistances from AOS inside the network packets to have those new values for like the bandage timer and the murder timer and things like that. So Luthius changed the server side. He changed the client code. It's not really the code. Like you just have to direct edit, you know, the memory. Uh, so it's pretty, pretty challenging work. And that was all great. And then I basically reverse engineered that and, and implemented it in regular code in, uh, in Orion so that it looks exactly the same. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, so uh, I, that was sort of my solution to uh, 
I just could not take 12 and a half frames per second. That's how fast the, the original client runs. It renders a frame every 80 milliseconds. Yeah, I've spent a lot of time in Orion and you can make it do that by dragging the slider all the way to 12 FPS. So yeah. if you really love it, like I know Papa. Well, so that that there's a funny story about that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I originally I originally took the Orion client and I've I've done hundreds of patches to Orion at this point. It it's significantly different than it the version I had originally picked up. But one of the patches I did changed the way the, the frames per second were calculated. And so if you go to the you know the original Orion that I, I forked off of, that, that's I don't know if everybody's familiar with coder terms, but when when you take a, a project and you start working on it off on your own and you go off in your own direction, we call that a fork. Um, when I originally forked Orion to work on it, it, it had some issues with the animations that it wasn't perfectly lined up. Your feet didn't line up to the ground. It was kind of like the FPS patch. Um, if you if anybody's familiar with what that's looked like. I looked into I it talk, today. It's you kind of like you kind of slide around. Yeah, you're ice skating. Um, yeah. that, that's at least what I think it looks like. I, I can explain what the FPS, FPS patch does. It, it's actually pretty simple. But the, the real challenge is if you don't have the animations lined up with the render speed, you look like you're sliding, right? Okay. So uh, I made a bunch of changes to get it pixel perfect lined up, and I had to learn a lot about how Ultima Online worked. It, it, it turns out it, it's everything's really nice, simple, round math, uh, clearly well-designed. Anyway, I changed the, the render speed to, I figured out that it was exactly 80 milliseconds per frame, 12 and a half FPS. That's the right speed for the original client. And uh, so I, I had all the math based on, you know, I have to change a frame when I render every 80 milliseconds to get the animations to line up pixel perfect. But in Orion, you're actually rendering much faster. You're doing 100 frames per second. So there's all sorts of math to figure out like when you render and you're in between two frames of the animation, which one do you pick? Things like that to make it look smooth. Right. And, and so I worked on that a whole lot. And then when I released it to get the animations pixel perfect, and and they looked right finally you weren't sliding anymore the first request i got was can you make the slider go down i the minimum was 30 originally can you make the slider go down to 12 and a half the original and i was like why would you want to do that you know, <laughs> we just spent all this time trying to make you know it, it look better why would you want to go back down to 12 and a half well people do i you know it's it's nostalgia you know, I, I've gotten a lot of requests to make the the mouse run in a separate thread like the original client can so that people can actually play at 12 and a half frames per second. We'll see. Yeah, if, the, if the goal is to have this replace Steam and, and Razor, which it sounds like from Owen that that's an eventual goal, maybe a year or two down the road or however long the project takes this or another project, um, you're going to have to satisfy the users that really want the old school feel. So doing the work in to get 12 and a half FPS, it's, it's not wasted effort. Cause when yeah. you ask them to come to it, they can, they can still recreate the old client feel. Yeah. And yeah. so the, the main thing blocking that at the moment is um, making the mouse. So the old client has an option to make the mouse render in a separate thread. That's what it says. What that means is the mouse renders at like 60 FPS and the rest of the screen renders at 12.5. <laughs> okay. And so the logic in Orion, the mouse renders at the same rate as the rest of the screen in Orion. So when you're at 100 FPS, it looks great. But when you go down to 12.5, your mouse gets choppy because the, the whole screen is choppy. Oh, okay. So if I'm going to make it really suitable for these you know, people who want to render at 12 and a half frames per second, I've got to add in the logic to make the mouse still render much more quickly. Right. You got to separate it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so has your role expanded? Cause it sounds like it has, which is why we brought you on. Cause you're, you're the lag buster or the, you helped assist that. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, um, I was just a beta tester through all of beta working on Orion with no actual privileges. I, I didn't have any knowledge of the code. I, I knew it was based on run UO, which is open source. Everybody has access to that. So I didn't have anything special. Uh, I was just contributing, you know, a client. I was trying to do some 
fixes in Razor when they would come up, people would you know run into bugs or, or things like that and ask me you know is there anything I can do about this? And so over time, I, I guess my my reputation as somebody who could help with technical issues grew. I think it was probably oh six months ago, eight months ago or something, Owen started searching for who would eventually become his counselors. And he, he asked me if I would do it. And I said, uh, that was before I had really worked on Orion a ton. Like I think I'd put out one release or something. Uh, I was doing a lot of beta testing then and answering a lot of questions. And uh, so I said, of course, I'll be a counselor. And um, the way the counselors work is, you know, you have sort of an alias that is your counselor alias, and it's all very segregated and things like that. Um, they, they've got very strict anti-corruption policies going on in the server behind the scenes. Over time, as, my, as the number of people and the interest in Orion sort of grew, uh, it became clear that I was not going to be able to operate under an alias as a counselor. And so, uh, because everybody knew the, the name I'm under now, you know, which oh yeah yeah that makes sense right. So you know, you pick a name in eighth grade when you play video games, and and then you have to keep it the rest of your life. Uh, that's pretty much the situation I'm in. Um, so I, I had to stay under this name because that's people know this name is the Orion guy, and and as the guy who does the alternate client and can fix Razor and things like that. So I um, am sort of a, a special case, I guess, counselor. So I I have not I've yet to answer a page. Sorry. I do have a counselor account. I've logged in once. <laughs> um, uh, okay, hold on. I don't even know what a page is. Oh, this so is like when you go into the help menu in game and you can request GM assistance. And so those can get addressed by counselors. And there's a, there's a large team of counselors, you know, behind the scenes trying to keep the, the number of pages at zero all the time. So it's great if you're, if you run into an in-game bug and that's what it's sort of for. It, it's not for feedback. Uh, use Discord for that. Um, but if you're if you're experiencing some bug or you're stuck or something like that, you know you need help. That's what it's for. So and there's people servicing those. So but not me. I have not been diligent in my duties. Uh, I also have real accounts that I would like to play on, but I've yet to make it off of Shelter Island. Yeah, that's the other question I had, and we don't get to it right now. But is there a difference between you and other counselors? Yeah, so there, there's, uh, yeah, some difference between my role and, and the other counselors. I, I haven't really been playing the actual server. Uh, I don't have time for that. And frankly, I love the, the coding anyway. So I spend my time doing that, uh, making yeah. the tools and um, making the alternate clients and consulting on bugs and trying to deal with uh, security issues and things like that. You know, like I jumped in and I fixed the timer to make it accurate on the count, the launch countdown website. So I think that's really my role. Uh, I, I doubt I ever get a chance to really play. If I were to play, there would of course be pretty severe restrictions on me and I'll go into why, um, into what I'm allowed to do. Uh, they know, you know, my IP addresses, they know my accounts so I can be monitored. I doubt that will ever happen. So, because I, I know uh, Expo doesn't play. He um, does not play. He actually has administrative power on the server. I do not. Okay. I just have a counselor account. Counselors can't really do much except teleport around and talk to people, you know. So, yeah, Expo is an actual uh, GM and Lens is an actual GM. Neither of them play on the server. Anybody with actual administrative power or access to the server itself does not play on the server. I imagine you wouldn't be doing any guild, guild warfare. Uh, well, I've never PVP'd in my 20-year history of UO, so uh, it's not really a risk. <laughs> but like, I also can't go get rares. I know where they are. You know, uh, yeah. can't do that. Um, and they would know immediately if I did. Anyway, it's all irrelevant because I'm basically not playing anyway. And, and I may formally declare that I am not playing uh, and just end it at that uh, shortly. So... Um, as the the podcast or as the server progressed into its first week, I was just the Outlands guy. I didn't have any special access except I was a counselor who could answer pages, and I mostly had counselor powers so that I could 
address Orion bugs in game by teleporting to people and watching things. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So you could go invisible too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So people would report an Orion bug and I'd say, okay, reproduce it. And I'd watch, you know, something like that. That's the only thing I ever use that account for. Um, or if there's like a rendering bug and I need to go to a specific location. You can't actually do anything on your counselor. You can just teleport around and look at things. But then the lag hit. And so the way, uh, the, and the lag hit because the population is enormous, right? It's not that Outlands had this lag problem and other servers don't. It's that Outlands is bigger than the other servers, right? And so they're encountering issues on the server side in Outlands that other shards just are not hitting. When the lag hit, I have, uh, I'm a professional software developer. I have access to lots of tools. I, I write high performance servers for a living. When the lag hit, I started talking to Luthius sort of behind the scenes, offered to, you know, to set him up to take some uh, CPU traces and to look at what was the total network usage, what was the total memory usage, all these sort of things, to start to try to triage what's going on. Why is the lag going up? It, it became pretty clear to me, at least right away, that first, the, the host system, the network, was doing great. The network can handle this uh, shard no problem. There, the host has reported a, a couple of DDoS attacks, which uh, they handled without issue. So the, the lag was not the network. Uh, it can easily handle what we're doing here. The uh, total memory usage on the shard was fine, well under uh, the maximum. The uh, disk write rate was fine. What was a little concerning was the CPU usage. And so I uh, offered to set them up to take some CPU profiles, which show you sort of in the code what parts of the code are getting run the most often and taking the most time. And so I, I wrote up instructions and, and got Luthius all set up to install the right tracing software on the server. I don't have access to the server. Just to be clear, this was after the um, patch server was separated, right? Yes. So when the patch server, like the first three days, the patch server was getting hammered uh, because everybody was downloading. And the server has um, two gigabits of network out of the server. The, the general host infrastructure is um, 120 gigabit. So it's, it's got great, in the data center, it's got great connectivity. The actual host itself can, can do two gigabit out. And when you have a thousand people downloading, <laughs> it's, it's not gonna be able to do that. So Owen took care of all that um, behind the scenes. I was not involved in the patch server fixes. I'm sure he has war stories and war wounds uh, from that, but he bought a new server and put it on there. And that seems to have solved that problem. So then after that, the population quickly rose. And when it started to hit about 800 or 900 people, clients connected, um, we would notice that the ping would start to shoot up. And, and so then I started doing all this profiling and I started giving Luthius hints as to like what's going on. And basically identified three or four major problems that were causing the system to be, you know, CPU bound. It, it couldn't keep up. And I talked to some other prominent people in the community, um, in particular, uh, Vorspire, who does, is the maintainer of ServeUO, which is a major fork of RunUO uh, that is still actively developed and uh, wrote the launcher for Outlands and uh, other things. And he had already seen this problem uh, like three years ago on another shard and had done some fixes for it, or, or at least one of the problems I identified. There were actually uh, three. And so uh, I took his fix for that particular problem. It had to do with um, searching for nearby uh, players whenever something moves to be able to send them a update packet. So anytime anybody moves, all the players around them have to be sent a notification that they moved so that their client displays that they moved. Um, and that search was the was one of the major problems. You know, the server was spending a lot of its time doing that, about 50% of the total time searching for nearby players. The second major problem was in uh, what's known as the timer subsystem in RunUO. And uh, I won't get into too many of the low-level technical details here, but there were some locks that could be eliminated software locks that could be eliminated, which I did. 
And then there was some issues in the networking code, which was uh, suboptimal and needed, again, to eliminate some locks and to avoid some memory allocations and things like that. And so I gave those fixes to Luthius. He deployed it, and the server is now consuming. I mean, it's dramatically lower. Let's just say, my, you know, maybe ten times lower. So instead of capping out at eight hundred or nine hundred population, we can go into several thousand for sure. I've got more fixes coming uh, that should, you know, we should be able to probably handle ten thousand people when all is said and done. And these are fairly minor little tweaks. Uh, they were not uh, gigantic things. The server has been incredibly stable in terms of crashes. So uh, it's been pretty positive. You know, we were fortunate that the biggest problem, at least, had already had a solution out there in the open source community. And the other problems were relatively easy fixes. So we were able to turn it around pretty quickly and get it out. Yeah, that, that's my my question is, is this something that other shards have experienced and addressed in their own unique manner? And that, you know, just Outlands hadn't had to do it yet because we hadn't hit that player count yet in beta? So I, I think it's hard to know what other shards have done. One of the fixes is present in uh, RunUO 2.6. This shard's based on RunUO 2.2 as are most, they're all based on 2.0 or 2.1 or 2.2 typically, but the latest released one is 2.6. So the movement fix was in 2.6, the uh, which was the last release of RunUO before that was um, sort of abandoned. The other fixes I did, I have never seen publicly. I, I, I don't see them in any open source code. So I don't know what the other shards have done behind the scenes because People take the open source code, they fork it, and then make changes to it, and don't really, you know, don't send the code back typically. So yeah, what's I mean, nothing's hammered a server this much on a private shard since what IPY, right? That had 1,400 at launch, 1,500 at launch. Yeah, I, I am fairly confident that none of these changes that I'm making matter for other shards. I don't think they have any issue keeping up with their population. I think these are Outlands issues primarily, just due to the the sort of scope of the population. Yeah, and this got fixed really quick. I mean, we expect a launch to be crashes and rollbacks and anything else we've gone through it with an MMO launch, uh, not being able to progress half the half your community getting in the other half is blocked out to either some patch or connection issue like outlands had none of that we we're all able to get in and play and then once that count got higher and higher then we started getting lag and i think i went to play monday and i, I almost logged out thinking i'll come back see if they fix it but no, i stuck with it but well, i was able to keep playing just fine and then i think what tuesday or wednesday it was completely fixed uh, Tuesday, yeah, probably. I think I fixed it on, on Wednesday. I, I originally had just explained how to fix it to Luthius because I didn't have access to the code, so I couldn't just fix it. Uh, and we went back and forth on several things, and he he had other ideas about things to improve, which were good ideas. I'm sure they helped. And he was trying to do what I was telling him to do, and I, I'm sure I wasn't explaining myself clearly. Uh, but ultimately, I think it was the day the lag got fixed he um, just said, here, here's the code, fix it. And so <laughs> I, I did, and we deployed the patch, and that was it. <clears throat> and so since then, I'm, I, that's sort of been the turning point in my, my role, where I'm not just like Orion support as a third party not involved in the shard, um, you know, not involved in the management of the shard or anything like that. That's where I was. And then, you know, we had this discussion that, you know, if I'm going to come in and fix the lag and have access to the code well you know things need to change for me and so you know i, I accepted that that was sort of we understood what that would mean um i accepted the responsibility and uh went ahead and and pulled down the code made the fixes and i'm continuing still in the background to push you know code fixes and changes to luthius pretty much daily my next major focus is going to be on 
you know, security. And by security, I mean preventing cheating. Weren't you already kind of in that role earlier? I was uh, in that role, but without access to the server, I was limited in what I could do. I still don't actually have the ability to deploy code to the server. Um, I can send, I can see the server code. I don't have access to any save files, so I can't see what's in your house, for example. When I start the code up on my local system, it's a blank world. But it is the real Outlands world, uh, and I can test things. So I can make changes uh, to the code, confirm they work, and then send the patch over to Luthius, who then can actually deploy it to the real shard. That's sort of how the, the process works. So I don't have admin on the actual shard. I don't have access to the machine that runs it. But I do have the ability to see the code, no save files, but see the code. And I can um, propose changes, basically, that he has to accept. So yeah, I, I now am empowered to go make trickier changes, cle more clever changes to hopefully block some of these things. Yeah, I wonder what your resources are for that. And if uh, if we really do need the new client, force one in the, in the same client, same assist tool. Yeah, I could do a whole lot more if we could drop Steam. And, and the challenge is uh, Steam is not open source. So that means I, I can't really change it. And it's just going to do what it does. And so that uh, blocks me into, um, I have to keep Steam working. And it limits my options for things I can change. Uh, so it's official here. Just want to let you know, you can drop Steam when you put Loot Grid in something else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I, I think if we were to actually, you know, just to to be totally clear, the shard is not dropping Steam. <laughs> That's I know, I know. I'm, it's not going to happen. I'm joking, anyways. Um, I'm going to say that I'm going to say that like five more times in this, so that when you leave this show, you know to <laughs> Loot Grid and Razor. When yeah. I play with when I play with him, I have to hear about loot grid like five times a day. <laughs> yeah, I um I love it too. I I was hardcore into Steam, um, and I would have loved to have ported Steam to Orion, but I don't have the source, and and we've reached out to the original authors and tried our best, but it, it that's not going to happen. So the only path forward is to make Razor so good that nobody misses Steam, and that's that's a long project, I think. Um, yeah, that's a that's a good project though. It's probably one that's needed because you being able to get in there and tinker with it, it's not a problem. It's going to go away. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think over time, you know, we will we'll improve Razor more and more and more. Hopefully over time, you know, I don't know how long it will take, but we'll get to the point where if we say, you know, we're just going to drop Steam, no one will care because they're all using Razor and you're all happy. But unless that's the case, and it probably never will be, this, the shard will not drop steam. I, too many people like it, including myself. Well, you can't you can't ask someone we could. You won't want to ask someone to ditch their their macro backlog. You can say you have a tool that gives you equal ability with your macros, but you know when you're going to force your users to ditch you know years of work that they feel and they don't want to rewrite all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's a big ask, but if you combine that with here's the security features we can provide, here's why we're going forward. If you kind of explain where you're coming from, I think it might be an easier sell. Um, you know, if if Outland has to cross that road down the, you know, yeah, I, I think if if we got Razor to a certain point, um, it needs a better scripting language. Uh, I'm thinking currently to use Lua, which is a common scripting language in games. If we could get a loot grid of course, and um, modernize it a little bit, then I think there is a possibility that people wouldn't revolt if we were to drop Steam. <laughs> but I, I think that's that's a ways off. What are you bringing to Razor, though? What's the uh, what do you what's your current your next thing you're trying to bring to Razor? I know you brought in a patch from is it Razor Enhanced from? Uh... Uh, so actually, I'm working with. So Razor Enhanced is, is a challenge for the shard because that is a fork of Razor. So so the original author of Razor was somebody who went by Zippy uh, many years ago. And then another guy uh, who went by, or his, his probable actual name is Mark 
released the source code for Razor. It was actually a, a slightly earlier version of Razor that he had onto GitHub, which is a source uh, code hosting site in 2014. And it didn't actually work. If you downloaded it and you tried to build it and everything, it, it, it was totally broken. But in 20, I think it was 2015, maybe 2016, I took that and I cleaned it up and I fixed the problems and I made it so that you could actually build your own Razor Assistant from source and run it and it would work. And I put it up on GitHub for everybody to have. And from that, over time, two projects have really started. There, there was uh, Razor Enhanced, which is uh, very, very, very different than Razor now. Um, it's diver diverged a lot. And there is the Razor Community Edition, which is still fundamentally Razor. It, it feels like the same Razor. It's just modernized and has a lot of really cool features, but doesn't expand its capabilities in the sense of like PVP automation or anything like that. So Razor Enhanced adds uh, a full scripting language. It's Python. And you can do whatever you want. So Razor Enhanced is not allowed on Outlands. OK, all right. That's clarified. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not you, cannot, it, yeah. you cannot use Razor Enhanced on Outlands. Um, we will actively fight against that. The Razor Community Edition um, is was intended for UO Renaissance, you know, the shard, and is, is being worked on by um, somebody in the community goes by quick and he's done really great work and he didn't expand the you a renaissance has similar rules about automation and scripting and things like that to outlands sort of the same worldview they're they're slightly more draconian they don't allow steam but it's the general you know the same uh worldview as, as outlands about what makes you great and what ruins the game and things like that so he was working within that framework, but adding all sorts of cool stuff. You know, like the screenshots now get automatically up, you know, uploaded to a screenshot service on the internet. All sorts of better targeting things that are more similar to Steam, but don't work on other players. Like you can target closest creature, but you can't target closest player. So really cool stuff. Uh, the map works, all these sort of things. I decided, man, if I'm going to start a new Razor, why would I start from this, you know, Razor 1.0 junk that I have up on GitHub? It's ancient. I'm going to start with this new cool one, right? Because it, it it's it would be allowed here. It falls within the guidelines that we were given on what an assistant is allowed to do. So I, I've been I, I reached out to him. Uh, he's very supportive. We talk quite a bit. Um, he's got a couple of really core bugs that he didn't introduce, but uh, were just present in Razor from forever. There's uh, some pretty serious desync bugs in Razor. Uh, in a number of cases, which people then put resyncs into their macros and things like that to try to work around them. So uh, he explained to me how to make them happen, how to make the problems happen. And I went in and I fixed them. So Razor will, you know, in the next release of Razor, will no longer randomly desync. Uh, oh, yeah, interesting. And I wonder if you can retrain people because they're so used to putting that in their macro that. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you should no longer need to to resync all the time. <laughs> anyway, Razor is is fixed. And so that was kind of our exchange is, you know, I get to use this new cool Razor with all kinds of really neat user-facing features, and I'll go fix the core issues of, you know, how it interacts with the client to make it not desync. And um, I'm sort of wrapping up that work. There's one more thing uh, I need to fix on that. And then we'll, we'll release that and hopefully switch over to it. We, it We've got to probably do an extended beta test or something. We we can't lock people out of the game because they're trying to use old Razor and it doesn't work anymore and things like that. Some of the things beyond what's already been added that I, I would like to do is, uh, again, add Lua as a scripting system. And I think the way I need to do that is not remove the old macro system in Razor, but add a additional scripting system so that you can write your old Razor macros and record them and things like that, or you can write Lua scripts. And so Lua is a, a scripting language that's pretty well-known, well-established in a lot of games. So a lot of people have some experience to that. It's, it, it's going to feel kind of like Steam scripting, uh, except more formalized and 
there's better tooling support, things like that. It's not some custom language. So I think that's the direction I'm going. That language is designed to be embedded and sandboxed. There's lots of great tutorials online, things like that. So that's kind of where I'm going for that. There's a couple issues that I'd like to work out to make it so that we can do target closest on non-players. We, we've mostly got those worked out. Yeah, what are we? Uh, what are we actually allowed to use? Because I know a lot of the a lot of the stuff you see in Steam and Razor just don't work. Yeah, so they do a negotiate features sort of thing on the you know exchange with the server, and it says what things the the assistants are allowed to do. The one thing Outlands disables is target closest, and that's mostly because it makes it too easy to set up, you know, sync dumps. <laughs> but what they would allow. It, it, the problem with disabling target closest is it globally disables all types of target closest in that negotiation. And what Outlands really wants to do is disable target closest on players. They don't care if you target closest, you know, a lich, <laughs> you know, whatever, a dragon. That's fine. And so they would love to be able to have an assistant that still allows people to do target closest in PVM, but not do it in PVP. And so that's what we're trying to deliver is, you know, change the negotiation so that that flag only applies to player target closest. Yeah, that would be awesome. Cause that's that I definitely remember using that in real poor and I tried yeah. to use it here and it was, it was turned off. Oh, it's real convenient. So we're going to try to get that put back in. Then I'd also like to do, uh, I've been talking to uh, the developer of Ultima mapper, uh, mad martyr, and we'd like to do, some ideas on how to get more information out of Razor for him to display on the map. And, and it's really all map programs. I'd like to do this. You know, it, he might be limited in what he's allowed to do, but I'd at least from my side, like to be able to you know, broadcast more information about player positions and creature positions and player health and creature health so that somebody could write a map program um, that displays, you know, players, your party members, and their health on the map, you know, you'll only be able to see what your client can see. So 18 tiles around you. But you'll be able to see the enemy you're fighting on your little map and in its health and whether it's poisoned or whatever. Uh, and then the final thing I'd like to add is, is try to figure out a way to do a loot grid. Um, I'm probably not going to go as far as Steam did where they actually overlay it in the client itself. But I may be able to pop up, you know, a, a a window with the loot in it that you can click to loot um, just over top of your screen. Yeah, it sounds like people are fine with it as long as there's a delay in each of your clicks. Yeah, I think Steam has a one second delay between clicks and I, I would do something similar. Yeah, if you do that, you won't make the anger mob rise up against you. Yeah, you can so. always loot faster by hand uh, until you get carpal tunnel. All right, um, Orion, so... We've had beta 11. Did you revert it to beta 10? Because there's a that weird death bug in, in 11. And uh, I know we get asked a lot, what, when when is the next version of Ryan coming with some minor bug fixes? Do you have any kind of ETA on? Yeah, so I've got a bunch of fixes that um, several people have actually sent me some good bug fixes. Uh, you know, I, I was actually sent a patch that adds in the counters to the title bar, which was fantastic. The, the main problem with beta 11 was um, I finally figured out what was wrong with the movement. And I got great testing during Outlands beta from beta testers who really were trying to break the movement and casting system, which is the trickiest part of all of uh, the client. And, and getting it so you never desync and never freeze and everything stays smooth. I've learned a lot about movement over the course of that. And I finally got to the point where um, I think I really understand it at this point and I understand what it needs to do. I started coding it and then I got pulled into the lag issue and, and other server issues. So I, I had to put it on the, the back burner. Um, I'd like to come back and, and fix that before I do another release. I may just put out another release before it's entirely fixed. Um, in, in beta 11, I just made a, a silly mistake uh, on, on the recent code and it it locks you up permanently and you have to log out to get back in. So I took it down. 
I did fix that. I have that locally fixed. So the next one shouldn't be any worse in terms of movement from beta 10. And it will have all these new features and fixes and stuff. You know, I, I think I have the shader fixed when you die. It, you know, some things turn black when you're when you're dead. It's the grayscale calculations are wrong. I think I fixed that. Uh, it has counters in the title bar. Um, a bunch of other bug fixes. It changes where the how the config files are saved, so they're plain text instead of these binary files that the original author decided to use. Here, what's the other big one they ask all the time? Uh, what well, will you get you a mapper to work with it in the next patch? Or is that down mm. the road? It depends on how long you want to wait for the next patch. Um, <laughs> I certainly can make it work. I understand what it needs to, to make it work. I have it working with the new razor. I had to make some changes to make that happen. And, and it works. I would love to port the new razor I'm working over, working on over to Orion so that I have, you know, the same assistant for uh, the classic client and for uh, Orion, but it's just a bigger lift. So I haven't decided if I'm going to wait for everything to be in a release and then do it, or if I'm just going to start putting out releases with what I got um, and incrementally go from there. So I'll just say uh, what I'm finding because we have another podcast we do. It's kind of a multi-gaming community. community. We get players that come in to try UO and they immediately can't handle a 12 FPS. So I don't blame them. (laughs) Everyone says put them in steam. It's stable or razor. It's stable. Don't put them in. Don't let them, don't put them in Orion, but I, I can't get them to see the game for what it's worth because they can't get past the old client. And just the, the vets in the community can't see that because they're so used to it. Even I'm seeing it now. I've been on Steam now for two straight weeks and it's fine. Like I don't, I don't have any issue with it. When I first played that first week, I could not get over how janky it was, how janky it felt anyways. Yeah, if it wasn't for Orion, I'm not sure Nate would be on this podcast right now. Yeah, pretty much this is true. So... A lot of new players, you give them Orion, then you got to say, oh, you know, this bug will get you, this bug will get you. I think just getting it less buggy so that you also don't lose a new player to um, to a buggy client. Yeah, I, I agree. And I expect if we're able to put together a, a modern client, and it's quite an effort to do that, especially a cross-platform modern client, which is our ultimate goal, I, I fully expect us to, you know, the population of the Shard to go up. Right. I, I think that's a major blocker to a lot of people. You know, the, the population of the shard is is already one of the biggest ever. But if man, if we had a you know client that ran at 144 FPS, uh, I think that would that would get more than just the veterans back. That would actually have, you know, new players. So I totally agree with you. That's why I'm working on the project. I had the same feeling, you know, I come back to UO you know, every free shard or whatever, every couple of years. And, and it, it's a real struggle to, to watch this game run at, you know, 12 and a half FPS. So I think it's a solvable problem and we're, we're closer than we've ever been before. And, and I know we have the support of, you know, Owen and Luthius, uh, they would love to see it as well. And they've been very supportive of, uh, the work I've been doing there. Um, and I've got a lot of, a lot more help, uh, these days. You know, to the point where uh, certainly in this in this new Orion rewrite client we've got going, which we can maybe segue into. Yeah, it's a good uh, segue. So you, yeah, you've got a new project that made just we may, we may, we may not even be in Orion once this new project gets off the ground. I, I, Owen's mentioned it. You've mentioned it, but I don't know that our, I don't know that our players here really know what's what's coming. Yeah. So you know, the the main issue with Orion is it's written in a language called C++. The original author did it as a learning project, you know, was intentionally rewriting everything from scratch to learn. And that's a, a challenge. <laughs> you know, when you try to take on a code base like that, you know, everything is entangled with everything else. You know, it's written by, I, I believe he was a college student, wrote it for four years in college. It was his first major software project. You know, he did, a phenomenal job. You know, we're all very grateful that he works so diligently at it to get it to where it is. But it's it's certainly a challenge. And I spent a long time, you know, uh, six months, eight months looking for people to 
who would have the time to put in to like take this uh, over the finish line. And I couldn't find anybody who uh, knew C++ and had sufficient time to be able to do it. But I did find a lot of C-sharp developers. So, you know, I got talking with some of the people and ended up spending a lot of time talking with the developer of, um, there, there's a map called Enhanced Map, and it kind of comes bundled with Razor Enhanced, although you can use it separately. And I, I got talking to him quite a bit, and I said, we really got to do something about this. And he really wanted to write a client. And I was like, well, what if we just start translating Orion to C Sharp? And he just took it and, and went um, and just started doing it. And he's been at it for, I don't know, maybe six months. And translating you know, Orion, and he's using other open source clients of the past as reference as well, um, and taking all the best sorts of parts of all of them and translating them into a new modern client. And it's all based on um, a really popular uh, gaming, you know, game design framework. Uh, it's the same one that uh, the game Terraria uses. And so it's a lot less code than Orion because a lot of it's already done for us. It's still a, a gigantic undertaking. I don't want to diminish the amount of effort that has gone into it. But he really has just been working away um, really diligently, um, translating it. And um, he's, he's really far along at this point. And we've slowly been picking up more and more people who are C-sharp developers and want to help. And we've got four or five more people who are now helping a lot, you know, submitting patches all the time. Um, the Discord channel for that is, you know, really active with, you know, nerdy developer talk um, every day. So I, I do a lot of sort of consulting on that and uh, the occasional patch, but I have not done a ton of work there because I'm supporting Orion here and and server performance here and and Razor here. Certainly that project is intended to replace Orion. Uh, and there, just because there is so much more, uh, so many more developers available to help. Uh, so and, and I think we're almost there. Wait, that's what I'm worried about, right? Like Orion was almost there and the, but the XNLA one was getting there, but none of them ever get the finish line. Yeah, that's the hard part. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the, the, this one is close to passing Orion already and and so every time you start over like this it um it's a little bit easier because you just use the other ones as reference and you don't have to resolve all the problems you know the hardest part is figuring out how things are supposed to work not coding it to do what you already know it should do so this has gone much quicker obviously it didn't take us four years of work it, it's been like six months of translation and um, in a lot of ways it's it's already better than orion it, it runs on linux and mac natively it it's actually runs faster um, it's much more efficient. So even people with uh, lower end video cards are going to get great FPS on it. Uh, there, there's a couple of, you know, gumps that are left and we need to port over the assistant. Um, I did that for Orion. I could probably do it again for this new client. It's close. And I think with Outlands looming, there is certainly a huge amount of demand. You know, I, I come back to my computer to you know, 20 pings, you know, 20 messages a day on Discord saying, you know, do you have another release of Orion? Uh, when is Classic UO going to be ready? You know, all these sort of things. You know, the demand is definitely there and and the motivated people are, are there on this one. So I, I'm really hopeful. I, I think I think we're going to make it. Yeah, this is good good news, I think, for the Shard and, and probably just UO as a whole if you get a nice modern client. Do you want to move on to the Q and A with the audience? We have a couple of questions there. Yeah, we got we have a couple that were asked earlier and also asked in uh, some other discords too. So, yeah, let's start the the ones that were asked earlier to give people more time to type. Okay, uh, Rex asked. I think you were looking this up. I don't know if you actually found it. Uh, do you know the bonus to weapon special rate from backstab stack? Like weapon skill is 10% arms lore, 10% backstab, 25%. So with max weapon and arms lore, a backstab would have 45% chance of weapon special. Uh, yeah, so I got the code in front of me. It says, so the base chance of a weapon special attack is 10% minus 
The stealth bonus is 25%. The arms load bonus is 10% at GM. Let's see, there's something called prowess. I don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> there is a water aspect bonus as well. I don't have the numbers there in front of me, but it goes up with your aspect tier. Uh, basically, it takes all those numbers that I just listed, it adds them together to get your total chance. So it does 10% plus 25% plus 10% would be 45% chance. Nice. Okay. Okay, cool. Uh, and then Megahertz, he asked, uh, is there a timeline to get Orion playing nicely with Ultimate Mapper? I think we're going to address that, though. It's yeah, as soon as I can. Playing yeah. and using Orion, so we already addressed that one. Soon is the answer. And then I got a, a big one from Zachary Carter, which I don't know that you have the knowledge of for this one either, but you can give a shot at it. Uh, what are you doing to prevent another IPY, IPY2? What is the Outlands doing that is unique to prevent slow and invasive performance degradation? It simply happens with every unofficial UO shard. What is UO Outlands doing to ensure it won't end in the same performance disaster that most every other unofficial UO shard ends in? Yeah, so I think there's a, a number of things there uh, that that this shard is doing. Luthius really knows what he's doing, first of all. Uh, he's got a lot of experience in run UO and how to make this thing work. And so one thing I think is key to this uh, that, that slows down performance over time is the number of items in the world. And because you have to iterate over the all the items in the world to do saves and things like that. So... One thing, and you guys thought it was for your own convenience, but it's actually to help with server performance. But one thing he added was the storage shelves. And, and the way those are actually coded in the background makes them, um, you know, however many items you take and you put it in a storage shelf, say you take 10, the, the code that has to deal with the storage shelf uh, can execute in then one-tenth of the time that the code would take to execute, you know, over all 10 items individually. So the storage shelves are actually a performance thing. You know, that fixes a huge amount of items in the world that slow everything down is, you know, everybody who plays UO is just giant pixel hoarder storing stuff in your house. That's what slows it down. The other, the other major things we're doing are, uh, you know, we're doing real CPU profiling and, and testing of the code and um, looking at live data. Uh, to guide us on what to optimize. I, I do this for a living. So uh, I'm actually a professional who <laughs> makes servers run fast. You know, So hopefully we can do it. I don't see any reason why uh, this server couldn't scale to absolutely uh, enormous sizes before it gets bogged down. Yeah, that's good news. And I don't know that I've actually seen the degradation he's talking about, but maybe when a shard's been around a while, all the different save I, states. I think the classic case is like hybrid saves. You know, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Saves take like, I don't know, 40 seconds or something. So um, one of the live listeners, um, Donald Trump, asked, I guess he's referring to the um, classic UO. He, he asked, will it be open source? Will it be easily moddable by server owners and house performance? What will it do for targeting and macros? Uh, it, it's entirely open source already, and it will remain so. It will be easily moddable by server owners if they know C Sharp and know what they're doing. <laughs> Hopefully, you know there there's some server owners who just take run UO, make a couple tweaks, and release a server. Then there's some server owners who are like Luthius and and really code and are changing everything all the time. People who really code and know what they're doing aren't are not going to have any trouble changing it. The performance is great. It can run on a toaster. In terms of targeting and macros, right now it's just cloning the classic client. Exactly. We don't even have all that implemented yet, but that's that's what we're doing for the first alpha release. Then we'll add Razor, uh, probably this Razor Community Edition. And then over time, I think, you know, this is still an open debate, but I think we're going to move toward eliminating Razor and just incorporating all the features into the client itself. But the capabilities will be somewhere in the razor slash steam you know level it's not going to be entirely scriptable and things like that yeah that makes that makes sense having an assist tool is a is an odd thing it actually turns some people off of the game anytime you can heavily modify with a third-party tool you get a subset of users that 
don't like the MMO is to be tinkered with very much. Yeah. And uh, you push them away. Whereas if it's in the client itself, they're, they're less bothered by it. Yeah. I, I agree entirely. Uh, if it was an actual gump in the client, it would be much smoother. He, he, um, Donald Trump also asked any ability for server owners to force this specific client. I will say I'm working on that there. So anybody with sufficient knowledge can hack anything. If, you know, if the program's running on your computer, you own it and you can do whatever you want to it, but I can make it harder. Right. And, and this is what these gaming companies are doing to prevent cheating all the time is making it harder all the time. So I, I understand what some of the strategies are to make it more difficult to, to use cheat clients and things like that. And so I'm going to work over time to implement those things. Certainly for non-hacker level people, yes, we will make it so the server owners can force this client. Cool, cool. All right. Um, uh, we're, we've already passed an hour, so we'll just do a, a brief segment on the news unless you have any more topics you wanted to touch on, Jaden? No, it's been fantastic, guys. All right, cool. So in the news, um, we've already talked about this, but the lag issues are resolved. Um, Owen was kind of knocking on wood when he said that, but it's uh, been a few days now. It's looking pretty good. Um, population's growing pretty quickly. In the, um, the launch week debrief, Owen actually mentioned there's almost 1200 unique ips so that's pretty huge um you know that's not counting multiple clients that's unique ips and you can fake some of those but it gives a pretty good representation of how the server's growing corrupted shrines are spawning um it sounds well, like they're hold, kind hold of we're, actually, we're actually at 1400 players 1200 unique which is interesting yeah. in that you can't just take outland's number and divide it in a half or, or by three there's there's a lot of people that are only playing one client. Yep. It so that means like they're act they're actively playing the game, which I think is uh, can be unique to UL. Yeah, it's nice not to see everyone triple boxing, even though that's kind of difficult to do. Uh, yeah, the corrupted shrines are spawning. Um, I haven't got a chance to do one, uh, but there, there like is a, a video fun, on but... YouTube that that Expo posted. It's it's kind of a fast forward take on it, but you see the insanity that that shit is going to be. Some pretty cool stuff, like, um, I guess people that played before will know, like, sometimes the skill scrolls um, would go straight to your backpack, and they're doing a similar kind of thing. If you stay, if you stay near the, um, the boss while loot's being handed out, it goes straight to your pack, so that that's really good. It gives you a little chance to get away before the PKs rush in, maybe. Yeah, it gives it to you in, a, in an onk that you click. And then that gives you the the goods, so oh, you really? get so many of those those things based on your performance. Oh, uh, gotcha. All right, what else we got there in the news, Nate? They cranked up, they cranked on new societies, I think, and tweaked them a little bit. You get double bonus this week due to a bug they had. So if you haven't checked out societies yet, that's in Prevalia, northeast of the bank, right? Yes. Uh, they fixed provoke or they tweaked it and then fixed it now it does a hundred percent of normal damage previously it was 50 percent um they put in these clothing alteration kits which are kind of neat you have to have gm taylor to make it you can change your clothes i didn't really read it very much did you look at it i did not i didn't see much about it i just kind of skimmed over it um it looks like uh you can take some kind of uh cloth now let's say a special hue cloth and combine that into regular clothing and you know that way if you bought some cash shop clothing you don't have to like you know rebuy it or anything you can just mash those two together and get a nice color on that cash shop clothing it will destroy yeah. the cloth and it'll take about as much cloth to do that kind of thing as it would to, to make a new item so if it's expensive cloth, you're going to be spending a lot of money on that. Yeah, and, and plus this takes a GM tailor, which I don't know that we yeah. have a huge number of those just yet. Not yet. Especially with it taking thousands and thousands and thousands of uh, leather, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Owen and Expo and Clicks put out a, another launch week debrief, or I guess the first 
launch week debrief. And that was kind of interesting. It was uh, one hour. You get to watch Expo run around the map while while they talk about how launch went, which yeah. is uh, great. It went, it's going great. <laughs> We've all been able to play, have fun. I know I've been in game as much as I can. I kind of felt relieved when I seen Expo die in the newbie dungeon. I knew it wasn't just me. Um, <laughs> if you get trapped in traffic in those doorways, it can be pretty brutal sometimes. Yeah, they need something like uh, you can just freely pass your characters in that first 10 feet of the newbie dungeon. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Automatic refresh potion or something when you walk through the door. <laughs> yeah, refresh potions, potions would be nice even. Start new players off with a few of those. Yeah, and then um, I think Faction Warfare is starting up soon. They were kind of holding off uh, to let the launch stuff get underway. I think they're they're getting turned on this weekend, I think. Yeah, I got to say I'm looking forward to this. Um, I'm going to suck at it, but, you know, I don't know exactly what the um, the differences was between regular PvP, but I know the penalties are better. Like, maybe you don't lose certain equipment or something. Do you know, Nero? Not exactly. But I, knew, I do know there is something in there that uh, makes it less uh, less harsh than just open world PvP. Right. And this is why I built my first character as just a pure warrior, and not a not with um, bard stuff, because I want to go right into faction warfare. Yep, Dexter is probably the way to get into that. Um, you don't want to be blowing regs while you're learning how to PvP. Yep, and uh, not only that, learning how to use magic at all. So yeah. I'll, I'll tackle that first in PVE before I do it, like a tank mage or something. Yeah. Those um, auto auto heal macros are pretty big in PVP. So get that going. Yeah. I think that's it for this week. Uh, Jaden, man, thanks a lot for coming on. And uh, I, I, this week's probably heavier on the, on the coding talk, but you are the hero of the server. So uh, thank you. Well, I appreciate it guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Hope you enjoy playing. Oh yeah. 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 Glad to have you, man. Check you later. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Um, we plan on doing this again next week. Not quite got down a uh, guest yet, but I'm working on it and, uh, I'll announce that soon in the, uh, fireside babble or announcements channel. Go to our website, insideoutlands.com. We have a link to our discord there. If you join that, you, um, every week we broadcast live at nine o'clock at night. Um, we also have another podcast, the Sandbox Podcast, where we cover uh, multi-gaming. Right now, it'll be UO Talk, since obviously I'm playing UO for the next foreseeable future. But, you know, they'll cover Red Dead 2 and stuff like that. Plus plenty of UO Talk. Uh, see you guys next week. Later, Netro. Peace.